This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Inside the Red and White. This is the podcast for fans by fans about all things Arsenal women and women's football in general. Uh, We talk through it all from the perspective of the Red and White singing group, which is dedicated to building the atmosphere at Arsenal women's games. I'm Susie and my co-host once again is Nat. Hi Nat. Hi everyone, I'm back. She's back. I'm back like a bad smell guys, so sorry if you were all excited to hear Rebecca last week, but I've uh, told her she was rubbish and she can't possibly do it again. I'm only joking. I did just want to say a massive thank you to Rebecca for last week for stepping in at the last minute. This is why I love everybody in the red and white. God bless you all for being wonderful to me last week. Uh, Rebecca, you did a great job, but uh, at least I know I can have a week off every once in a while and she can step in. So that's great. <laughs> No, she did do a good job. Um, And I mean, we're continuing the tradition of welcoming people back onto the podcast because we we do have somebody else on the call who you've all heard before. And that's Farah. Welcome back, Farah. Oh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. So today we're going to be following kind of a similar route to as normal. We're going to be having a bit of a chat. Then we're going to be hearing a a second take to Farah's journey. And I think everybody's going to find that very interesting. But we're going to talk about that a bit more later. Uh, But first off, we figured it's not that far away, the World Cup. So we thought we'd talk a little bit around that, what our expectations are. Nat, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so this podcast is going out on the 17th of July, which means that we'll be literally four days. I think it's the 20th it all kicks off, that first game. What a what a header. It's, it's Ireland, isn't it, the first game? Yeah. So Ireland-Australia. Australia, what Huge a game. game that. What a way to kick it off. It's a shame that all the games are like, you know. Super early. Yeah. So I'm going to have to use the phrase, it's five o'clock somewhere so many times in this World Cup. Yeah, so the, odd, the, oh. odd sicky, the odd sicky might just have to, oh. to to watch these games. I said, I'm so glad I've got two screens at work because I'm going to have one screen for work, one screen for the World Cup. Grateful so, for homeworking for that reason. I'm super excited. It's great. You know, we've got even more, even more Arsenal girls playing in the World Cup since our last three signings all featuring in the World Cup. Susie, do you want to remember how to pronounce 
Amanda's name properly after last week's episode? Oh, yeah, I actually can. So it's Elisset. It, it, you don't pronounce the T in the middle, so it's Elisset. I find that's easier to pronounce now. And then, obviously, Chloe Lacasse, and that's another Arsenal player. Let's put it, let's go straight off. Farah, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Let's take England off the table, because yeah, too much of an easy answer. And I, I genuinely, guys, don't come at me. I don't think England, I think England are coming third. That's my prediction. Mainly because I, ca- I can't see Millie Bright lift that trophy. It needs to wait solely. It can do it. I'm not doing it. But Who do I think is going to win the World Cup? Look, I think you can't write off the US. Mm. I think they, they know how to play tournament football. Uh, they look a bit shaky at the back from games that I've seen them play recently. But they are absolutely rapid. They've got such a young team, but they know how to win tournaments. They've kind of got that embedded in them. So I think it's really hard to to not think that they're going to be contenders. I think if Norway can get oh. their team together... Get out of my head, Farah. If they're going to get their team... To, I think it's going to be a completely different Norway than we saw at the Euro. It's going to be no yeah. 8-0, 8-0 losses for them. If they get it together, I think Norway can do a great job. So I'm going to go the US or or Norway. I don't disagree, Farry. Look at Norway's team on paper. What a team! Yeah, like oh, they're insane. They're insane. You know, Marlem's playing for them. Guru Wrighton, Ada Hegerberg, absolutely stacked. And they think we beat them eight 0 in the Euros. It's like they fall down at, at tournaments. Like I don't get that. This is going to be probably the most competitive World Cup we've oh. seen. You know, in the women's game, I think we're going to have some underdogs in there as well. I think Australia is going to cause damage. I think Ireland have potential to cause some upset. I think Zambia look fantastic from the game that I watched. Did you see day. that goal? Oh, they! I just think players, these teams don't have anything to lose at this point. I think the women's game has just become so inspirational to probably so many teams. I think we're going to see some upset. I think some teams could, you know, could go go out early. Some, If you look at those groups and you look at the last 16, I mean, England in ourselves, we could potentially play Canada in the last 16 and then play Germany in the quarterfinal. That's going to be tough. There isn't an easy way to the final for us. And it would be, if we won it, I, I think I said to someone the other day, they should give us two trophies because it's going to be incredible. And yeah. who's going to win? Well, I will say Farah stole my my first answer, which mm-hmm. would have been actually Norway. I do think that looking at the talent that they've got there, it, I don't see why that hasn't worked before. Like, you know, it, it, it should do. Um, but I, I do think that, I think that Germany are probably, mm-hmm. if the US aren't going to do it, I think that Germany is probably the more logical answer. But I do like the idea of Australia winning. Yeah. And I think that if they're going to do it, I do think that it could have the Euro, like in terms of that, you know, that home soil win, that home soil support. I think that this is their moment. And Mm -hmm. I think that if they're going to go far, this is the tournament that they're going to go far in it. They're going to have an advantage because they're not going to be jet lagged in the same way, or at least they're going to be you know be used to that side of things so that's already an advantage they're on their home soil so they you know they've played in that climate before and things like that so and I do think that you you can't you know I'm obviously talking about our players but Caitlin and Steph and then obviously Sam Kerr as much as I hate to admit it that is a dangerous um, combination so let's just enjoy the World Cup yeah enjoy you know seeing it everywhere Look, it's going to be the best World Cup. Oh, it's going to be great. Today. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be so competitive. Yeah. It's going to be the best that we've seen it. The and the red and white, amazing. we're going to be taking over Box Park. First game, yes. of, first game of the World Cup for England against Haiti. Box Park at Wembley. Cannot yeah. wait. It's going to be good. I will not be able to speak by the end of that. I'm telling you now. And the yeah. Kira Wall shirt is coming out. Jordan Nob for me. Jordan Nob for Susie, who would you have on your England shirt? Have you got an England shirt who are you having on the back of it? I think I probably would go Kira. Yeah. I just yes, think that... But... 
the way she plays is just stunning. Best and that in needs the world. to be recognized. Yeah. Best in the world. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so Farrah was with us um, a couple of weeks ago and she did her journey to the red and white. And there was a part of her story that we purposely left out because we wanted to give it the time and space that it really deserved. Um, So this part of Farrah's journey, she's really going to be focusing on sort of diversity and inclusion from her point of view um, and the experiences she's had and also then into the work that she's doing as well. So um, over to you, Farah. Well, look, I really appreciate the time, but just kind of going off my personal experience within the game and when I started playing, my journey was, you know, at, at the time when I was playing, you know, very normal to me. It's something that I haven't really spoken about, I guess, in, in depth. Uh, I felt like I've really never needed to. Um, people who know me well, you know, probably know bits and pieces, but probably started playing football when I was six, which was, you know, came to a shock to a lot of my family. My family are not a, a sporting family. They're, they're not into football, you know, so we don't really know where this came from with me. But I had a, you can say, a bit of a bend it like Beckham story growing up. I was just sort of just handed a ball one day and yeah, it kind of just went from there. Started playing in school with the boys. Um, I, I grew up on, on a council estate in, in in West London and yeah look football was such a big part of of my life you know before school after school and very quickly I realized I had a bit of a talent I just loved it I loved every aspect of it you know I never really knew any, anything else it was probably the only thing I was really good at really I mean I was pretty average in school but yeah I, I started playing in the cages from a really young age and then um, there was a couple of tournaments happening happening at school and it was only boys going to the tournament. I remember one day going to a teacher and, and just said, why are there no girls? Like, I'm better than all these boys. And the teacher just looked at me and thought, OK, it's a big thing to say. But yeah, she 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 put me in one of the tournaments and I was probably about six or seven at the time. And, and it sort of just went from there. I was lucky. Uh, the community that I was a part of football was was a big thing. Um, so I was you know, lucky enough to play football as a curriculum um, at PE, uh, which sort of brought it out in me. My parents worked full time. um, So I went to, I grew up a lot in in youth clubs and started playing there more. So you just very naturally, you're you're playing with boys and probably the best experience playing with boys because, you know, they don't, you know, take it easy on me or anything like that. They were quite physical. They were hard and makes you pretty hard. It was such a big part of of my life. And then, um, I think when I was about maybe seven going on going on eight, uh, we had a, a couple of coaches that came in to take our PE lessons uh, from a local club. And I got I got taken out to school. I got scouted from school um, and got invited to like a summer tournament. It was like a development. They called it a development sort of league because this was 15 years ago. You know, I was 
probably even longer actually and it was a very different game back then so you know they were still building something um but it was the first time i played outside of school played with you know kids that i didn't know i was the only girl there yeah experienced something really new playing outside of of school because you know you start training a few days a week it became you know quite normal to me it was just a hobby though you know i never really took it seriously enough you know i didn't i didn't really no women's football or anything like that I, w- I was still really young then as well and then you know you start to as, as you kind of grow up you know I was I was playing for this club for about four years and it was fantastic it was a great experience but I think as I got older you know I started to realize that in this team not only was I the only girl but I was I was Asian and it was really weird to people you know and you know if anyone's watched Bender like Beckham you know you you know what I mean it, in terms of you know people have a lot of questions they're really surprised that you're into the game my parents probably didn't realize you know how how invested or how much I loved it you know it was just a hobby it was just something that I was doing outside of school and then I think I was probably about eight years old and I was I was playing in a tournament one day and you start to realize how other people sort of take to you and very early on you know I realized you know maybe the color of my skin was you know I did stick out like a sore thumb you know it it was something that I realized I was a little bit different when other people started to point it out to me you know I didn't think it was a problem I didn't think it was an issue but when I think when when you hear things you start to maybe second guess yourself a little bit so when I was about eight I probably had my first encounter of sort of a racial slur and at the time you know I didn't think anything of it much expected it to be honest it, it, I was never shocked by it but I didn't really realize what it meant um, and that happened for for a few years you know when, when you go to games predominantly I was playing with all, all white players you know everyone's parents are you know at the tournaments and at, at games and you know I didn't just sort of get it from from the players, I also got comments from, you know, from from parents as well. But like I said, when I was eight, nine years of age, you know, you, you don't really know what it means. It doesn't really get to you. You know, and like I said, I, I wasn't shocked by it. I was pretty much expecting it. But it was something that I never spoke about. I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. And I think as I got older, when I was 12, I, I moved to, to South London and uh, one of the coaches uh, from my old club moved moved over and I had a trial that... Uh, a club in South. But that's when I think it really hit me that, you know, discrimination and and racism was like, it used to get to me, uh, you know, a lot as I got older, the the comments got worse. The experience was quite hard. I think sort of early teens, I had an encounter and start to realise what these comments mean, what when they say certain things against, you know, your race or your culture. um, These meanings, they get to you in a different way as you grow up. And, um, yeah, it started to feel a little bit, I think the best way to say it is, you know, you you react, you get angry um, because you know they're, they're looking down at you almost. And it was part of the game, which I just absolutely hated. Um, and it was tough because, you know, you, you're expecting it, um, but when it actually happens, you know, you don't know how you're going to react. And when you do react to, to stuff like that, it. and then I think there was a moment um where i where i had an incident that happened and sort of everyone pretended they didn't sort of hear this comment the referee turns a blind eye everyone sort of pretends they don't hear the comment and i think that's when i realized i was i was on my own here you know there was nothing really i could i could do and if i reacted you know i'm i'm the one that would probably be sent off you know i'm the one that's going to be seen as 
bit of a, a bit of a girl with an attitude problem or something like that. I remember my coach took me aside and just said, listen, I think it's unacceptable, but there's nothing we can do. Like there's nothing you react, you're, you're in trouble here. So um, it's almost like you kind of just have to kind of have to just deal with it if you want to continue playing. So yeah, that was, that was a tough part in my, in my experience. And it's something that I think, now being so involved in the sport and and you see the you see all the conversations around diversity and inclusion in our sport yes the lack of opportunity is one topic but i think there's a there's so many other blockers in our in our game um which i thought you know what well, we all thought it'd be really good to to speak about when i got to like maybe 14 i you know i used to i used to love playing and i used to love i continued to play the game and i continued to as much as i could but i think as you get older it starts to get a little bit serious as well I remember in the changing room, you know, the girls used to talk about all these big dreams and where they wanted to play and who they wanted to get scouted by. And for me, I always knew it was going to be temporary. You know, I was never going to be a footballer. Um, I never knew I could. Um, But I I also knew it was going to be temporary because there's no way, you know, an Asian girl would become a female professional footballer. It's just never going to happen. I knew my parents wouldn't, wouldn't let that happen either. I never dreamt. I never dreamt that big. I, I didn't even think about it. And I got scouted for a club in London. I got invited down. And at that stage, you know, the scouts got in touch with my school and me and my parents were invited down for this for this trial. And it, it was it was incredible. I never saw facilities like it. I had never played with girls of this talent before. I didn't even knew I didn't even know women could play like that. And I'd never played with girls like this before. I went from kind of loving the game to then kind of feeling anxious about the game because of everything that I knew came with playing the game. And I went from, you know, coming off a coach, for example, for an away game, everyone's thinking about warming up. And the first thing that I used to do was scout scout the room. Like I used to scout the pitch and, and always prepare myself who looks like they're going to give me a hard time today. It, it, it became the norm to me because I used to get such a hard time. It went from that to then having this opportunity to play for this club. At the end of the 10 days, my family got called in. And this was like, this was going to get big now because this was this was youth and, you know, you're talking about a contract. I remember my dad sort of said to me, we were driving down and he was like, listen, I don't un- really understand where this is all coming from. Like, I don't understand why we're even doing this today because what's going to come from this like why are you putting yourself through this when you're not going to become you you don't want to become a footballer because I never said I wanted to be a footballer and he was like I don't really know why you're why you're putting so much into this and you know I just said look it's a great opportunity Let, let let's see and he said look that's fine you know let's go for it at the end of the trial you know I had a I had an opportunity right to join when they started discussing school and you know I'd have to I'd I'd have to leave home and I'd have to do three days of my schooling with the club. I'd have to go into shared accommodation and all of that stuff. You know my parents were just like, "What the hell is going on? How has this become so serious? You know how has this got here? Because this is not this is not going to happen. You know you're not going to become a footballer." I say this because I just didn't have that emotional backing. And when I when I say that, I don't mean that my parents never supported me because my parents are incredible. You know, they, they work so hard. They've given, they work so hard to give, you know, me everything that I've needed to succeed in life. And, but they don't understand the game. You know, they don't understand football the way, the way I did. I didn't really understand it myself. So I can't really expect them to, to get it. You know, they don't know what, what, what football is in, in this country, you know, and they, 
you know, you have some some players where, you know, the parents are, are completely involved from a very young age. They're driving them to training. They're they're making sure that they balance their school and, and everything. But for me, you know, education and, you know, my future was was all my parents wanted wanted for me. You know, they they they, they couldn't get it into their minds that how can how can it how can it how can you as a girl, as as an Asian girl, um play professional football and even if you did make it as a pro let's say you did it where is that going to get you you know you'd still need and we're talking like I said 15 16 years ago you know you still need another job you never it's never going to be like the men's game and you don't even see South Asian male players so how the hell are we you going to see a South Asian female footballer I didn't really have that that backing and I think when you don't have the backing you you have a lot of anxiety because you know even though I was in a very professional club great facilities great coaches I was still the sort of I guess I was scared I I guess you could say that um that you know I was always going to be an outsider I was someone was always going to say something some someone was always going to sort of look down on me you know I was my legs were taken out or people used to say you know horrible words which I'm sure you can imagine related to, to to an Asian girl um all this stuff was said I even got spat on once as well which just makes you feel you know absolutely crap and you know people are looking at you like you know you're a piece of crap on the floor or you know it wasn't just from the players I used to get it from parents as well um it, it was really hard for me to to sort of love the game from there but once I had the opportunity I remember one of the last days in the trial I had a split second where I was on my own in the in the, in the changing rooms and for the first time what if I became a, a a professional footballer like what if I actually did this like what if I actually went for it maybe that's something that I want but I ne- I never said it out loud before so I never mentioned it to my family either so they didn't really have a clue but I thought nah like it, it's just it's never it's never going to work because this game the way I felt at the time, this game wasn't meant for someone like me. The game wasn't ready for someone who looks like me to play. I'd never seen it. You know, I I never, I didn't know anything about women's football, um, let alone have, you know, any clue on, on diversity within the game. Um, but for one, for one second, I thought maybe I could do it. But, you know, when I had the sort of sitting with with the coach and 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 my and my, and my mom and dad, I mean, my mom, I remember took me aside and and just said, "Look, this is something that you want to do." Then, yeah, of course we can support it, but you can't be seen, you know, playing fifteen, sixteen, playing, you know, in shorts or playing in this environment. You know, you have to think about your education. You have to think about the culture. You have to think about how you're going to be represented as a as a Muslim girl, you know, um, and the, you know, the facilities there, just nothing. I, they never saw anything supported, you know, supporting that, um, in terms of, you know, uh, an ethnic minority girl, you know, playing, playing at a certain level. And I just knew it, it wasn't going to happen. So that, I guess the anxiousness of, um, as I grow up, what if, what if the racism gets worse? And what if people just don't want me here? And, you know, I've had a good run. I've been playing, you know, since I was six, I played six till 15. I've played for some, some great clubs, you know, maybe it is time now to, to end it. And I remember it was a Friday that day. And uh, Monday morning, I, uh, I went to school and 
I didn't really even talk about it. I probably mentioned it to some of my friends. They knew I was trialing and I mentioned it and I said, it's, you know, I, I didn't go for it. And everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, it is what it is. I never, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders as soon as I turned it down. Um, and I didn't realize maybe how, and I never, I never spoke to my parents about the racism or the abuse that I got. I said, I didn't see it as a big deal. I just expected it. You know, I never ever, ever played with other girls from you know from the South Asian community I, I was always the only one I know there's plenty of girls obviously who were playing at the time I just I never played with any you know for me it felt like a weight had been lifted and I realized you know maybe I did make the right decision it just wasn't that wasn't my calling and it, and it wasn't meant for me and, that, and that's how I felt and that was it and I I I went from loving this game yeah you know I after the day I, I turned down the opportunity and I went back to school I never touched a ball again um, that wasn't that wasn't because I I was I was like it wasn't a conscious decision. I just I just never touched the ball. I never kicked a ball again after that, which is super crazy because you know I could have still played as a hobby. But yeah, I just I became a massive supporter after. But after that, so you you, you kind of fast forward to where we are now. So so many discussions, so many conversations on the lack of diversity uh, that we have in our in our sport, especially um, you know within the women's game. We talk about the lack of opportunity, but I, I don't think we talk enough about the cultural blockers there are. Um, and I can only speak for for sort of the South Asian community, and I can only speak for my personal experiences. But I think there's a lack of understanding on very minor things that can be dealt with that stops girls from getting to a certain level. I think maybe in the last couple of years since I've been more involved with, you know, with the red and white and with Arsenal and now being part of the committee of the supporters club. And now I volunteer for the FA as well and diversity and inclusion. And now that I'm actually working within the, within the game, I now can see how maybe I can make a little bit of a difference and actually speak about, speak about areas that maybe people are not aware of. And and I think cultural blockers is a, is a big thing because if you don't understand the culture, um, then you won't understand reasonings of why girls maybe can't go to training or uh, they get to a certain level and they stop playing. You know, if you're if you're 12, 13 and, and you're getting to that age and your parents don't really understand the sport, they're, they're the crucial people who are going to get you to the next stage. They're the people, your guardians or whoever's raising you, they're the people that are going to get you to, to where you want to be if you want to become, you know, a, a professional athlete. It, it, it could be something as small as playing in shorts. Culturally, you know, girls can't always show their legs or if they wear the headscarf, you know, are there things to facilitate that? Or parents think, why are you putting so much time and so much effort into football? Your schooling is more important. And they just don't understand that there is a balance between the two now and you can do both. And if you're if you're playing for a grassroots club or, you know, you're playing for any any type of club, you know, training is, is so important. It's so disciplined now. You miss two sessions and for some clubs, you're out if you if you miss those sessions. And and it could be something as small as that. But I think the understanding of, of people's backgrounds and how people are, are, have been raised and their cultural backgrounds is, is a big part of, of why girls stop playing when they get to that 12, 13 age group. Um, and I'm talking about girls from ethnic minority. I think there's a lot of understanding on the cultural aspect, as well as the lack of opportunities as well. Yeah, I think now that I'm a little bit more involved in it, I think... I've realized on my personal experience how things can change. Listen, and I, and I have no, I know I've spoken about a lot of bad times within the sport, but you know, playing football, I've, I've got some incredible memories. I played with some amazing girls, and 
some of the best times of my life was was on a football pitch. It's an issue that needs to consistently be spoken about. People can say not a diverse national team and we don't have a diverse national team. Um, but it does start from from grassroots and there's a lot of questions that need to be answered um, in terms of every aspect of, of, of culture, but also every aspect of why why girls maybe aren't getting the same opportunity or why those opportunities haven't been taken. And they all could be sorted out as well because it, it's not a big thing. It's just an educational piece. Um, but that's only going to happen with the right people, you know, involved in these projects. So, yeah, I mean... It, it's a heavy topic, but it's a topic that I think really needs to be discussed. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my journey in the sport. If something if was there anything along your journey that you think if that had just happened, like would that have made you change your mind in sort of um in your in your journey and made you continue that path onto actually, yeah, I can be a footballer and I this can be something that I can do. Yeah, I wish um I wish I had someone maybe like me now that I could have spoken to uh, at maybe 14 when it when when it was quite crucial when I knew there was a, a contract at stake and and I knew my life could probably change and head more into football I when I said no to the opportunity I, I you know I never went into detail my parents knew I was going to say no they expected me to say no they wanted me to say no um, and like I said not because they're not supportive but they just didn't understand they didn't get like why why would you put everything that you have into football you know you've got your GCSEs coming up like I don't I don't understand why you're doing this because you know being a footballer is not going to get you anywhere really um and I didn't really have anyone to to speak to but I think if I if I could if I could have spoken to someone or someone could have spoken to my parents as well just to have a little maybe just knowledgeable of how you balance your schoolwork and what you could do and what could happen. Um, listen, look, I might, I may have never have made it. I, I, you know, I was certainly out of my depth when I was, uh, when I was, when I was trialing, but off, they obviously offered me a contract. So I had some talent there, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really speak to anyone about the, the racism. I didn't really understand the racism. If I'm being honest, I knew it made me mad as I got older, but I didn't really understand it until now really properly like over the last few years when I've been more involved in the sport like I you know and I didn't really have anyone to speak to so I, if I had someone that maybe I could have just opened up a little bit because I just keep I sort of just kept it in mm. and it didn't affect me or anything like you know I went around I went about like I said Monday morning I went to school and everything was fine I never thought about it but now volunteering for the FA and I speak to so many girls um who look like me who are playing and I hear all these stories and it just takes maybe me speaking to parents now and I speak to loads of parents now um and just having and, and people see what I'm doing you know uh, with Arsenal or with the FA and um and I and I talk about my experiences it really just changes people's perspective they're like oh my god like you know and now the difference is, is that they have these role models and they know they can become a footballer. I, I'm not saying that, you know, every girl needs to become a professional footballer, but just to know that the option is there. If they want to, if they want to be it, they can be it, you know, and, and the game is for them and the game is for everybody. It wasn't meant for me. The game wasn't ready for someone like me. I was, you know, I was proven right because, you know, for, for years and years and years, the game really didn't progress until maybe the last maybe four or five years. So if I had someone that I could have spoken to that could have helped and maybe I could have opened up about the other aspects that were worrying me about the game 
then then yeah maybe maybe things could have been a bit different I was also very young to make that decision not to take that opportunity I was also you know 15 at the time so it's a very young age to, to you know make a decision but like I said football was was nowhere near to, to what it is now and just a quick one on, on my parents as well the reason why I mention it is because um I don't I don't blame them I don't expect them to understand football you know my mum was born and brought up here she she completely understands what my, my dad is 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 an immigrant right he came here when he was 19 and he's he's faced so much adversity and so much discrimination he's worked so hard to to get to where he's at and what he's built and he's, he's an incredible guy and my parents are amazing but all they've ever wanted for me was to be successful and to get a great education and they saw this life for me because they've worked so hard and had to face their own adversity football to them is is crazy to think that my daughter wants to become a footballer and you would only understand that mindset if you're in a culture that that we are as a South Asian community there is a massive cultural difference unless you're a part of it it, it, it's so hard to explain at times because you 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 know you could probably think how could your parents not support you like how could if that's what you wanted why didn't they help you why didn't they do this and you know I can't expect them to understand football the way I understand football my mom and my dad are like really really involved in what I'm doing you know what I do for the red and white and being on this pod now and and stuff like that and we've had so many conversations about it and you know I've, I've spoken to my mom you know numerous times now about about the opportunities and how I felt at that time and why I didn't pursue it um you know after the Euros um the final my family WhatsApp group everyone was talking about the final which I was so surprised about because they don't they're not really into football but I had a few comments come in like oh my god Farah that could have been you that could have been you and um it was so funny because now you can obviously have a little a little bit of banter about it but when I actually sit down and I speak to them it's they're seeing it in a completely different way now so if I was to have a you know when I have kids if I have a little girl and she wants to play football she is now going to have a completely generation different generation of 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 parents who are going to make sure if that's what she wants then she'll she'll get there and we'll make sure that that happens and we'll balance school and we'll balance everything you know when I say I didn't have my parents backing it's not me saying that my parents weren't supportive because they are incredible um it's just a blocker and an understanding and an educational piece of of culture that is a hindrance and it, it can block a lot of people and it block maybe blocks a lot of people of of my of my age group but like I said you know when I have kids and you know if I have a little girl and she wants to become a professional footballer you best believe I will I will make sure she gets there I always knew it was going to be temporary I never ever dreamt about becoming a footballer you know it's not like I had this dream and it didn't happen I didn't I didn't think anything like that would have happened to to someone like me I've never seen it I had no inspiration. I've never actually seen anyone who looks like me play in, in the game. There are obviously amazing, amazing female athletes and amazing uh, female footballers of the South Asian descent and, and the ethnic minority groups um, around the world. And I make it a point to to actually watch them and support them now. But growing up, you know, I knew nothing about it. Um, but it wasn't until I stopped playing football. Uh, I think the best thing to have happened is I stopped playing, but... I was part, I, you know, obviously I trialed for 10 days at 
at this club and um I I started to realize I started to see so many things on the wall and stuff like that and I started to realize that women's football had such a uh, they had such a strong history and a strong heritage um which made me want to know more about women's football because I knew nothing about women's football so I stopped playing but I became a fan and and it started from there it started from you know when I was about 16 um and that's where sort of the love of of Arsenal women sort of came from um I yeah, I went to Boreham Wood on my own when I was about 17. I think I mentioned it in the last pod and I saw Rachel Yankee play for the first time and it was the first time I had I had ever seen representation. Um, and I never knew women could play like this. Mm. You know, I had no clue. And it just, I was just, she just, I was obsessed as soon as I saw her. Um, lucky enough to watch Alex Scott play as well. And, and I was just really, yeah, taken aback. And, um, you know, six, fifteen, sixteen years later, you know, we had a we had a, a charity uh, football game that that the red and white did for ovarian cancer action, which was an incredible day. And and Rachel Yankee actually came down, and um, I actually got to tell her that story. You know, like she was sort of the woman that changed everything for me, and in, in me supporting football and me supporting Arsenal, and I actually got to play with her as well. Like, oh, really, was- actually got to play. And it was, was it was amazing. Watch. That was so incredible. I remember just standing there, and I rec- I've got videos, and we'll we'll put them on Twitter if you don't mind. But yeah, I remember taking pictures of you having a conversation with with um with Rachel, and you playing football with her, and I I just I had the biggest smile because I knew what that meant to you. Like yeah. I knew I was just like imagine imagine what's going through through Farah's head right now. Imagine like she's playing with like an idol. And I, it's, do you know what makes me feel? I just think, you know, if you were growing up now and, you know, women's football has got a place on the telly, it's not just the FA Cup final, which is, as you know, I'm a bit older than you, Farah, by a couple of years, like yeah. um, a few years. But like, <laughs> the only game that was ever on telly was the FA Cup final. That was it. That was it. It was the only game you ever watched every year was FA Cup final. And it's like, yeah. imagine if, you're, you know, imagine you growing up now as like a six-year-old right now and you've got, you know, the Euros is on the telly, the WSL is on the telly and it's like, if you can see it, you can achieve it or whatever. Yeah, like, I mean, I get asked this question a, a lot, like, you know, you must have so many regrets turning down an opportunity like I like I did. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't have, I don't have any regrets. You know, I, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. I think maybe, you know, being a footballer wasn't my calling but maybe something that what I'm doing now and mm-hmm. and I built a, you know a good career for myself where I have the time where I can devote hours into you know speaking to the next generation and making sure that they weren't they, they don't they, they're not in the same position that I was where they have no choice and they don't mm-hmm. they don't even believe that they can become a footballer because in their minds it's just temporary um so no I I don't have any regrets I don't think it was it was meant for me but I think maybe what I'm doing now for the next generation is probably more my calling um because I've lived it and I know what those blockers are and I know how parents can be I I understand the cultural aspect of of playing sport when you're a, a Muslim girl um something as uh, very little that probably doesn't mean as much to other other people can be huge for us the adversity that you have to go through is going to be a constant fight you know I'm not saying that girls are going to get their opportunity and they're not going to they're not going to hear words that they don't want to hear like I'm not saying that's not going to happen because it probably will happen um as sad as it is uh but 
there are pl- things in place. There are people who are a part of these programs and a part of these grassroots projects that you can speak to now. There are so many people around diversity and inclusion. There's a massive, there's a massive conversation about it, and we're investing. You know, the FA are investing a, a lot. The London FA and and obviously the FA are investing a lot in it. So there are people you can speak to now about these about these issues. But there's always going to be a fight, always. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't just mean South Asian. I mean global majority, the BAME community. Um, it, it is always going to be. A fight and there's always going to be something that blocks someone's chances um and like i said it could be something very very tiny but this is you see a massive decrease at the age of like 13 14 you see a massive decrease of 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 girls dropping out um and only a certain amount of girls sort of make it and we need to understand those reasons behind it why these girls are dropping out and why this is happening and I'm learning all this new stuff as well. I learn every single day. I, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, I don't have all the answers. But I think since I've started volunteering for the FA and working on these projects, you know, I'm seeing a completely different aspect. I have a completely different aspect of, for it now. Bringing the red and white back into it, I think when I, you know, when this all started for us last season and um, it started kicking off, you know, even as a fan, you know, I, I'm just a fan now. I'm not I'm not a player. I haven't been a player for, for years. Um, but as a fan, I still get comments and I still, maybe not racial abuse, but I still get, you know, the odd the odd comments. I think when social media started to really take off for us, obviously I, I do the social media uh, for the red and white. And, you know, there were a lot of comments, you know, after the Conti Cup, you know, obviously that was a massive, uh, it was all over social media, different content creators posted us and all this stuff and there were a few comments about me being who I am being an Asian girl and you know I'm I was you know I was dancing on I was chanting on on the benches wasn't I I was stood up I was going mad and people had a a lot a lot of things to say about that I love the fact that you're essentially becoming or you are the inspiration that you needed like you know back when you were starting like what you're doing everything that you're doing and the work that you're putting into this now and obviously, based on your own experience, you are becoming what that little girl, what you needed back then. Um, yeah, I just think that as much as, you know, I feel for you not having had that, you use the word expectation quite a lot. Like your parents expected you to say no to the contract or they didn't, you didn't perhaps expect them to understand or you even expected to to be the subject to some of this discrimination. And it's sad that you had those expectations. But I think that the work that people like you are doing now will hopefully change that and like you say it's not going to happen overnight it is going to have to be something that has to be worked on unfortunate that it has to be worked on but good that the work is being done yeah I just think that it's nice for you that it has come full full circle and you can feel obviously proud of the fact that you are making a difference now I just talk to people I I I don't know how much of a difference I'm making but but you said that the point was you wish you'd had that person to talk to yeah yeah I went to East London and I I just did a little walk around the cages and uh, the streets and there were so many girls playing football and yeah I spoke to this one girl and and she wore the hijab and she wore the headscarf and and she was playing and she was playing at centre back and she was incredible she was probably about 12 and I just watched her from outside like I introduced myself and yeah I just said I think you're amazing like do you play for any club and or any you know any grassroots club and she said she said she just joined one but she goes yeah I I don't know My, my parents are not you know to to for it um yeah I don't know it's just something that I do on the weekends 
And yeah, we ended up having this really nice chat. And she was really surprised when she heard my story, but I could I could see it in her in her eyes how much she could relate to it. And she was like, Oh, do you want to meet my dad? Because uh he doesn't get playing football and he, and he was a really traditional guy and anyway I spoke to her dad and it, we, we spoke for about 10 minutes and I, I said to him you know I used to play and I told him a little bit about my story and he was really really surprised yeah just having a conversation with them I could see I don't know if it made a difference I, I really I have no idea I've never seen her since but um you know he was really surprised and then I told him what I was doing now and um, the fan group and and the supporters club and the FA and this is you know if this is something that she wants to do these these are the avenues that she can take and school will never ever suffer you know she's still going to get her degree she can still do her exams and and this is there are so many things in place now where she can do both but she was incredible and I don't think she realized how how incredible she was like everything that came her way she was putting on her head she was like she was amazing and when I said that to him he was just really surprised like he never like he was just like my girl being really good at football he was really shocked and this was like in East London, a very big South Asian community. There are hundreds and hundreds of girls out there who are playing just on the weekend. They don't realise that, you know, if they do want to pursue sports, they can. Um, and it was just one conversation. But yeah, you, I, I could tell I got through to him a little bit. And um, so I really, really hope she continues to play. And I really hope she, um, I hope I got through to her dad as well. Um, but little conversations like that, it was, you know, can hopefully make a little bit of a difference I will say as your friend like I'm so proud of everything you do for the supporters club for the red and white and everything and you already sound like you've you know, already made a difference like you know and that's your thing is like I don't, I don't know if I got into him but from everything you've said that it's it's all it's all linking back to sort of your story isn't it? it's going of of just putting into place the fact that you know it's seeing is believing and seeing is doing and and you just having a little word in a, in a dad's ear or a mum's ear that might not have any idea of, of what is capable and the fact that it doesn't, just because you love a certain thing, it doesn't mean that everything else has to stop. It doesn't mean that everything else has to suffer. It doesn't mean that you can't continue and be disrespectful to any culture or anything like that. And, you, every, you know, and it's how you can help making sure that clubs understand that certain cultures need certain things to make sure that, you know, the, the opportunity is there and they don't feel like that they can't do certain things because it wouldn't be the right thing. And we have to be, everything needs to be respectful in any way. And nor should you, as a, to, to listen to you say that you knew you were going to get abuse or, or someone was going to say something or like no child, no adult, no human should think I'm, I should have to expect this and just get on with it because I want to do a certain thing. And I know that, it, you know, in an ideal world, that wouldn't exist, it does. But to hear that you just, that, you know, and I can't, I can never put myself in your shoes or understand that. But I think the way you've effectively reacted and you haven't let it stop you or, and, and what you're doing now is incredible. And from a club point of view and from connecting to, you know, people, you know, with the FA and the work you do, you know, you work full time and yet you have, you know, you do all this extra stuff and, and it's because you're passionate about it. And that's the thing. When you're passionate about something, people listen. And I've sat here quite happily. I don't want to edit any of this because I just want people to listen to the whole conversation because I've just literally sat here. I've never felt prouder. Um, and I know you will continue to to make change. And you will, whether it's a tiny bit or a massive bit, I think you, you just will. 
No, it's lovely. And no, I appreciate it. And listen, the red and white are a big part of of this. You know, I am um, I feel so included. Um and I've never like football I've never had that in football before. So to I just obviously I turned thirty a couple of a couple of weeks ago. So to be thirty and to come into a group like like we have, um, I've never felt more included um I can you know be whoever I want to be and and you know I'm not worried that something will be said or or whatever like I just feel part of it even though I do look different or I am but you know we're all different you know Mm -hmm. every single one of us in this group is and I think that's just what makes us us and yeah like the red and white is a big part of that I would have never have had the confidence or maybe you know even the just to even talk about my story because you know who the hell am I like who wants to hear who wants to hear my 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 journey but I think what what you guys are doing incredible um and but what the you know the red and white has been a massive massive reason of why I've ventured out um I would have never had the the confidence to to even apply for to be on the committee for the supporters club if it wasn't for what happened to us last season and it was the best decision I made being being part of the committee um, for the club that I love. Well, I think that uh, because that was such an important topic that we've covered today, we've run out of time for a fan five, but I don't think anybody's going to mind uh, on that perspective. So thank you ever so much, Farah, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure hearing your your journey and um, yeah, I hope people can, can learn from it and take plenty of uh, insights from it. No, thank you guys. Honestly, thanks for allowing me to share my my experience. Like I said, I've never really spoken about it before, so I can't think of a better way and, and two better people to to speak about my personal experience with. So I'll I really appreciate it. I'll yeah, take that. Well, well, yeah. we appreciate you. You know, you coming on and having this conversation because it needs to be talked about a hundred percent. And um, but yeah, so thank you, Farron. Another fantastic conversation. Exactly. Yeah, um, and for anybody that enjoyed this conversation, uh, go ahead, listen to all of our other podcast episodes. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow, uh, leave us a review if you did particularly enjoy it. Um, uh, today, we're actually going to be ending this episode on not North London forever. No, I might leave that in. I'm going to leave that in at the very, very end. But first up, you're going to hear a little chant for Farah um, that we actually played at the at the sang at the charity game recently. Um, so on that note. Until next time, ale ole ole. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.